Well, I got a question to get our minds in the frame of uh, our Jesus story for tonight for you all. And then I have a story in response. Have you ever accidentally stumbled into a situation where you didn't completely understand what was going on? Maybe you're like, yeah, right now I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, you're, you're in a good place if, you, if, if that's uh, uh, what's going on. I, uh, I got the chance. Uh, I had two brothers that actually studied out of high school in New Zealand. So I got the chance to go to New Zealand uh, two times. And one of the times that I was there visiting one of my brothers was using it as like an extended adventure time. Uh, that's what you do in New Zealand. And I was in the city of Christchurch, and we were with a group of family walking the streets of Christchurch, which is uh, on the South Island of New Zealand. And as we were walking, this is really awkward. You're just coming up and taking photos of me. Um, it's for the socials, y'all. Um, uh, we were walking through the streets of, of Christchurch, and we were just chatting with each other. It was a beautiful, sunny day. We were really enjoying the intricacies of Christchurch. We had a local friend of ours who was leading us through the streets. Then all of a sudden we noticed that there got to be more and more people around us walking through the streets. Then like really uh, fast, we were like shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people and they all seemed to have green on and different shirts. And then we're like, what is going on? And we were trying to look around and pick up context clues about what we've gotten ourselves into. And we just kind of, I don't know if you've been in these situations where you really can't like get out of these kind of, it was almost like a flash mob situation. And we went to this like center, uh, it was like a big roundabout. And one of them with a green shirt got up with like a, 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 a micro, what, what do we call those things? Megaphone, thank you for the help. Got up with a megaphone and just started yelling things. And I was trying to figure out what was going on. And it turns out it was like uh, an environmentalist, uh, like green movement march in the, in the middle of Christchurch. And here we were still kind of stuck in the crowd, not knowing what was going on. And I, uh, I, I thought it was cool to experience that uh, and hear what they had to say. But the, my greatest enjoyment was that I was walking next to my uncle, who is a very conservative man, who is farthest from environmentalist that you could imagine. And I looked over, and he, didn't, he doesn't have any hair, but he was red from the top of his head to like the bottom of his toes. And I fake like took out my picture like Kara was just doing with me, and he's like, no, 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 put that away, put that away. And it was so funny to be in that experience of unexpected, unexpectedly finding myself in the midst of a protest. Uh, and I've noticed that in my life, uh, that experience hasn't happened multiple times, but stuff like that where I come upon something or I find myself a part of something, when you're thrown into those moments when something surprising happens that kind of shakes up your perspective and heightens your awareness and you're like, what's really going on here? I want to learn more. Those moments can be pregnant with transformation, perspective, and change in your life. They have a moment of like speaking through the noise in our life to communicate something deeper and something that maybe we need to hear. And I, I thought of that story in New Zealand because the Jesus story that I want to share tonight, and if you're new to the community dinner, we always after dinner share a story from Jesus' life, and then we talk a little bit around, around tables about it. The story I want to talk about tonight is one of those moments to the max, where if you were there then, 
it might have been a huge surprise to you. You might have actually had the experience like me where you got caught up in something that was going on in Jerusalem in that time, and you would have been a spectator like me trying to figure out what all of this meant that was unfolding right in front of you. So let's read this story, and it's actually two stories stacked together in Matthew, and both of them are what I would call, they're many things, but one of the things they are is a prophetic protest. So I want to read Matthew 21, and we're going to read verses 1 through 17. If you've got a Bible app or something, you can pull it out. If not, I'll do do my dyslexic best to read the text to you all, Um, and you can follow along. And maybe that's even better for tonight. Uh, Maybe you can even close your eyes and imagine what it would be like to be a spectator of what was happening. The voice of this text is going to be told to you from the gospel teller's story. So he's going to tell you the intricacies of the story. But step out of that perspective for a moment. Just imagine what it would be like to see the things unfolding uh, that happen. So this is Matthew 21, verse 1 through 17. Let's read this. It's titled, Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as a King. As they prepared Jerusalem, or as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Now, if you think you can use that as a strategy for Grand Theft Auto, it is not actually an endorsement of that to steal someone's mode of transportation and say the Lord needs it. There's something else going on there, I think. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle, riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest of heavens. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth uh, in Galilee. The next story here. I, I like to imagine these happening in somewhat quick succession. We don't know for sure the timing between them, but I think they go together well. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the money changers and benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and uh, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children in the temple courts, uh, the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. That's a fancy word for really mad. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. 
Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. So a lot going on here, two different stories. What did you notice in the story? If you were a bystander like me that day in New Zealand, but here in Jerusalem, like you had a time travel device or something, what would you notice? I think as I look back at this story, there's some things that I imagine noticing. First of all, what is the deal with this cult? If you would have come up on this crowd and saw Jesus riding in on this small little donkey, well, I think to our eyes, you would be like, that's ridiculous. Why would you ride on such a thing? Poor thing. But if you would have been a good Sunday school-going Jewish kid, you would have thought of Zechariah that had prophecies of the coming Messiah, the king, the leader of Israel, the new leader of Israel that would come riding on a donkey, as the scripture was quoted there. And in the midst of that, you might have gone, ooh, look at this juxtaposition, juxtaposition of these fancy Roman soldiers on their high, huge horses riding around town. And here comes a man, and the crowd is saying that he's our new king coming on a donkey. He's got common men's coats adorned over this donkey and on the streets. Not any fancy, elegant saddle or anything like that. They're singing the Messiah's song. And who is this guy? Just the Joshua from Podunk, Galilee? That's Jesus' name. Was, was transla- if we translate it, it's Joshua, the one who saves. And then, if you would have followed him to the courts, you would have noticed him, first of all, just flipping over people's business, and that would have been a sight in and of itself. You would have had to ask, what is he doing? What authority does he have to be flipping over these tables? You probably would have got your phone out and started recording it, like everybody else does these days. And then you would have noticed something spectacular. You would have noticed all who were hurting and needing healing coming into spaces where they weren't often welcome. In the temple, where only the people who were pure or who had enough money to pay for the sacrifices to be pure could be, they started to show up and feel welcome and experience healing. And you probably would have said to yourself, man, the Pharisees are going to be livid. And you would have been right. And what about that miraculous thing of the kids singing the praises, singing songs of Messiah? What did you notice in here? I wonder what you would have thought if you were walking these streets. As I said earlier, as I set this up, I see a prophetic protest. Those two words are really important. When I say prophetic, Oftentimes we think of like uh, telling the future or future-oriented things like you're going to have a great day on Saturday, sort of prophetic sort of things. And though uh, the prophetic in the Christian tradition has elements of telling truth about the future, it's mostly about telling truth through word and action that brings correction and challenge to the dominant assumptions inherent in the culture or environment around So a prophetic thing is something that challenges how everybody's uh, thinking. It's something that surprises and confronts what everybody expects in order to bring forth more full truth and more closeness with God. 
The second thing I said is protest, and protest, just simply understood, can take up a, a lot of different forms, is a statement or action expressing disapproval or objection to something. And I think this is a prophetic protest because in some sense it's displaying in creative truth who God is and who Jesus is. And it's also simultaneously upsetting and throwing disapproval towards the system of religion that people were used to in that time. In this form, literally turning over tables. I think we need these prophetic protests in our lives to shake us up, to remind us of what's true, to remind us of what can be true, to remind us of who God is. One of these instances of prophetic protest happened to me in my first ministry gig. I, uh, my first job was out in Baltimore in a very large church. Uh, there was about five, 6,000 people. And one of the services, one of my jobs was to keep track of the senior pastor. I was like the person who made sure he needed to be. Uh, he was where he needed to be when he needed to be there, like Christian Ann did out in the hallway after I was uh, uh, just lingering out there. He, she's like, J.D., let's go. You got to be up. Jesus story. That was my job at this church, and I couldn't find this senior pastor. I was very frustrated because I was pretty new on the job, and I was like, oh, no, he's going to miss his cues, and like 50, uh, 1,500 people are going to be wondering where he is. And I couldn't find him, and I was freaking out, and I was pacing in the back of the room. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see a somewhat disheveled figure sort of stumbling in the side of the auditorium. And I thought the worst. I was like, oh, no. What is going on right now? And I immediately went over to the, the big fancy church. They have security. I went over to security, and I was like, dude, can you just like look, watch? And he kept getting closer to the stage. And this dude a kind of like staggered up on the stage. And I don't know if you've been in those environments, but there's all eyes on what's happening in the stage. And all of a sudden, this dude staggers up on stage in the middle of what's happening, in the middle of uh, sermon time, and he grabs the microphone from the person talking. And I'm just, like, freaking out. I'm like, where's the senior pastor? Security's not responding to my urgent requests. And all of a sudden, come on in. Welcome, guys. Come on in. All of a sudden, uh, this guy who's up on stage grabs the mic and starts talking into it. And all of a sudden, I go to myself. I say, his voice sounds very familiar. You know who it was? It was the senior pastor. Undercover boss. Undercover boss. Yeah, exactly. And I was in shock. It was a prophetic protest. And he stood up on stage, and for the rest of the time, he preached in what everybody thought was a uniform, an outfit that didn't belong on that stage. And at the end, he said, there is no perfect people allowed in this church. There are no perfect people allowed. And that phrase has really stuck with me, but it really has, from that moment, that was a tipping point that kind of blew up my paradigm about church and how we create spaces and what we communicate with those spaces. This is one of those moments where Jesus is blowing up paradigms about who God is, what it means for God to be king, what it means for God to be Messiah, what it means for God to be our king, our leader. And so uh, as we approach this Easter week, this Holy Week, I wonder if we're open to these prophetic protests that can happen in our life, that God can bring into our life. 
I just have a few questions here before I put, uh, uh, invite you to have a conversation around your table about what this text means or what resonates with you. Because these are the questions that I'm sitting with this Holy Week. And I just want to offer them as maybe some things to hold in your Holy Week in terms of these stories. What kind of king are you looking for this Easter? Is it a high and mighty one, a powerful one, or is it a meek, mild, and gentle, and humble one? If you don't need a king or a leader, or you just think, I am the leader of my own life, or my political ideology is the leader I need, or the other thing that you're trusting in, trust me, you're trusting in an authority if you think you don't have a leader. And so this week, would you ask, what kind of leader are you looking for? What kind of king are you looking for? Are you open to a prophetic protest? Are you open to those unwelcome, unannounced, uh, surprising moments in our lives that can really hold in them a lot of change? What would it be like for you to take off your coat? I was thinking about people taking off their coat, what kept them warm, something that was probably very valuable to them, and laying that down for Jesus to walk over. And I said, what a profound act of worship, and what better week to look into our relationships with Jesus and ask, what does it look like for us to lay something down and worship to our king this week? What does your temple look like these days? What does your temple look like these days? Have you constructed for yourself a people or a place where you feel like only perfect people are allowed or that you have to be perfect to be in a spiritual space? Is it a place that pushes either implicitly or explicitly you away because of your imperfections that says you'll need to find healing elsewhere? Or is a place where you find God, is that relationship you have with him or this space itself a place where you feel like you can find healing? Is it a place that you have curated for your own convenience? Has it been corrupted by consumerism? Has it been corrupted by that consumeristic society where there's always more and better, where you're always chasing the next thing, where there's always something to medicate the boredom, the pain, the wound that you have? Are you willing, like those leopard, or like the lame and those who are needing healing, to come into the space that Jesus is creating in your life for healing? And for North City, what is the prophetic protest for us in this story, people who call this community home? What is the temple that we're setting up? What is the space that we're trying to create? Is it a space where people who are looking for healing can come, be welcomed, even with their imperfections? Is it a place where our kids sing God's praises, where we learn out of the mouth of kids? So I hope this Holy Week, as we anticipate Easter, you can sit with some of those questions. Right now, I just want to invite you to turn to others around you, maybe four other people around you. Have a conversation about what stood out to you from these stories or anything that stood out to you from what I said. We use two guiding questions uh, that are helpful. Just what stood out to you? What difference do you think this makes in your life or in our lives? And we call this listening time because we want to encourage you that a, the best way to participate sometimes is just to offer a listening ear to someone else. And as a guideline, just so everybody who wants to, not everybody has to, 
everybody wants to, has a chance to share, we ask you to just keep it within two minutes if you got a response to some of those questions. So for the next 10 minutes, let's just carry this conversation to others around you around the table and say what stood out to you, what difference do you think this could make in our lives? Sound good? Thank <music> you.